0: Welcome to the Capital Insight Podcast with Jenny Casson and Michelle Timmish, two capital raising experts on a mission to demystify and equify the world of investment for entrepreneurs and investors alike. Listen in as they sit down with fundraising veterans and share with you the success stories and cautionary tales of outside-the-box capital raising. This is Capital Insight.
1: Hello and welcome to the Capital Insight podcast. I'm here with Michelle Timish and we're so excited today to talk to Mika Fisher about all the different ways that she is working to create a healthy economy for all. Uh, Mika, tell us about yourself and how you got into the work that you've been doing.
0: Sure. Hi. Um, First of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. And I'll tell kind of a a longer story about myself. Um, It started in university. I was doing food justice activism, which I have actually heard is an entry point into looking at the economy for a lot of people, looking at it more critically and seeing other um, opportunities for a better economy. So I was doing food justice activism and I started uh, working at the food co-op on campus. And from there, um, got connected to a group of people that, um, at the time was the USA Cooperative Youth Council. Um, and they really had a mission to educate people about how cooperatives, um, can be tools for social justice. So that is what put me into this world of, um alternative businesses, alternative economic structures, solidarity economy, um, and got me thinking about the alternatives to a lot of the problems that I had already seen in the economy and was really frustrated about, um, but didn't really think there were solutions out there because sometimes they're kind of hidden under the surface. So um, I'm really grateful to that group of people that that taught me a lot about cooperatives, worker cooperatives and other forms of cooperation. Um, and from there, I continued on a journey um, through my career and personal life, being really excited about what a more democratic economy could look like. Um, So that led me to the National Coalition for Community Capital, or NC3, where I'm currently the managing director. Um, And NC3's mission is to educate, advocate, innovate, and activate community capital. And we define that as a set of strategies that allows people of any economic status to invest back into their community. So we really see community capital as a set of strategies that brings the power of investment back to regular people. Um, Whereas right now, it's normally just sectioned off to accredited investors or very wealthy and powerful people.
2: And what do you, Mika, what do you see as the biggest challenge? You you made mention of the fact that sort of historically, this has been a conversation that happened with accredited investors only, Um, that population, that demographic investing in small businesses and startups forever um, has Mm -hmm. has been sort of the norm and is still primarily the most um, well-known way to raise capital. Can you tell us a little bit about the journey, what you have experienced at NC3, on the education front of just really building awareness about the opportunities we do have to take charge of economic development in our communities?
0: Sure, so the first thing I'll say is that while people might've interacted with um, those opportunities, particularly through regulation crowdfunding raises, they often um, don't see how it connects to a bigger picture. So the first thing I'll say is that rewards crowdfunding and other types of crowdfunding often get confused with um, actual regulation crowdfunding and um, the purchasing of securities from businesses as a non-accredited or retail investor. Um, so I think that's, that's a point of distinction that we really like to make. Um, we like to say, you know, this is something that's new. And it's actually really exciting. And it is giving you power that you did not have before the JOBS Act. Um, So you're able to play in these private markets in the way that people with money have been doing for a long time, and they've been getting really wealthy from it. (laughs) So that's one sort of misconception and point that we like to highlight when we talk about what the opportunities look like. Um, And then the other opportunities that exist sort of outside of The uh, regulation crowdfunding world around investment clubs, investment networks, um, community investment funds. A lot of that just requires a lot more um, consciousness raising. So, you know, most people, if they're not already accredited investors or they're not in that field, They don't think of themselves as investors, even if they have money in a 401k somewhere or an IRA. Um, So I think often there's sort of an identity shift that has to happen there. Um, And so we like to remind people, you know, you possibly already are an investor, or you might have the potential to become one. Um, And let's do that in a way that aligns with your values. I think most people don't actually like the fact that their money is automatically going to these companies that are doing things for the environment and to workers and, and, you know, affecting their neighborhoods in ways that they don't like, but they don't realize there's another option. So um, we see kind of movement building and consciousness raising as a big piece of our work.
1: I love that. So I have to say, I feel like I've been seeing a lot of community washing lately. (laughs) Mm. Everyone wants to call their thing community, uh, because it's such a feel good word. And I know that NC3 is um it doesn't necessarily believe that just because you slap the word a community on something that that really fits the mission of what you're trying to build. So, can you say more about what you really mean by community capital and like what exactly do you, is are you trying to create with NC3? Yeah,
0: that's a really great question, and we definitely see that. And you know, community is really it's malleable in some ways because there are instances where community that's been disinvested from for a long time, you might actually need to bring capital in from outside of that community. So we can see communities you know, expand across geographic and regional um, areas. Um, cross-class communities are really important to this work. So that's just something that I want to highlight. Um, But the the larger answer to your question is that um, we think about community capital um, through the lens of four principles that we recently posted on our website. You can see them there if you want to dig into them. Um, But they kind of help us imagine more clearly what community capital is. So I can just talk through those. Um, The first is that community capital is inclusive. So like I've said, it provides opportunities for people of all levels of wealth and all demographics to fully participate in the economy as investors. Um, So we see this as having two different uh, effects. One is that more people are able to um, participate in the economy as investors. Whereas right now, angel investors, accredited investors is overwhelmingly white and overwhelmingly men. And um, so more people are able to participate as investors. And then the second thing is that we think this will lead to more diverse people in a community receiving investments from their neighbors. Um, so, you know, if all of the investors have similar demographics, that's definitely going to shift the companies that they see or the projects that they see as viable, as necessary. Um, and we want to shift that, that power of capital um, by diversifying who gets to be an investor. The second principle is that community capital is fair and equitable. So community capital practices um, help to redress financial inequity uh, because they establish wealth building opportunities for all. So like I've said, um, historically, wealth building opportunities and incentives have only been provided to the wealthiest Americans. And a lot of investment opportunities give the highest returns to the people who put in the most investment So we like to say in community capital raises, the rate of return um, either should be equal or it could be higher for non-wealthy individuals in order to address historic and systemic inequity. And our third principle is that community capital empowers and serves all stakeholders. So this is really about management, design, governance. Um, We really wanna see projects that are incorporating perspectives and interests of a diverse set of local stakeholders. Um, you know, the, the classic thing to think about here is a real estate development. Most of the time, there's just a few people wealthy investors, investment managers, other gatekeepers who are primarily interested in financial returns. I live in New York City, so this is really a, you know, a hot topic. Um, and, and those are the only people that really are considered when we think about where, where the money is flowing into a neighborhood. Um, so we are looking to support projects and, and educate people about projects that have, um, you know, the environment in mind, local businesses in mind, or residents, renters in mind, um, that broader set of stakeholders. And then our final principle is that community capital facilitates shared prosperity. This is kind of our big picture, what would economy look like if community capital becomes the dominant mode of capital. Um, And we see that it would create uh, wealth and well-being for individuals and communities. Um, So that happens when investors are also customers, the financial beneficiaries, their partners um, that helps businesses or ventures and the community prosper together.
2: I love that you are now articulating these four pillars and you know, broadly speaking and teaching folks on all these levels. Are there some examples of um, of things that are going on that you are aware of or involved in that really meet this nicely that would give our listeners a, a concrete example of how this
0: might play out? Sure. So um, a project that we used recently um in a webinar that we did over the summer which um anyone listening can can check that out on our website the recording um we talked with our friends at the colorado um solidarity investment club and they really uh they're focused on supporting worker cooperatives and other cooperatives in the denver region so um and you know they're folks from lots of different class backgrounds. They're running an investment club, which means they're all making decisions together. So it's a bilingual club. So I think just the way investment decisions are being made is completely different from how typical investing groups operate. Um, It's a diverse club, it's a bilingual club, um, and it's including people with different perspectives deciding on the businesses that they are investing in together. And then the businesses themselves um, have more than just you know, maximizing profit at the heart of their model. Um, So as I mentioned in my intro, I I come from the worker co-op space and I'm a huge fan of that. Um, And I think investing in businesses like that really gives that kind of full picture community capital facilitates shared prosperity principle is really embedded in that because those businesses are, um, you know, centering the workers and the people who are making value from that business. Uh, And, cooperatives have their own principles that can be compared to this. One of them is concern for community. So that business is acting with its um, with best intention to make sure their environmental impact and other social impact is as positive as possible. So um, I really like that example coming out of Denver.
1: Wow. Thank you for that. I didn't know about that. That's amazing. And that really does bring up, I think when NC3 first started, for those who were aware of it, you know, a lot of the impression was like, it was all about crowdfunding, investment crowdfunding, but I love that you are inclusive of all different ways that communities can invest in things they care about. It doesn't necessarily have to be crowdfunding. Of course, you know, no matter how you do it, there are some legal constraints involved. Um, So what does NC3 do to help communities understand their options if they want to do community investing and you know how to make sure they do it in a way that doesn't jeopardize the the businesses that are receiving the money
0: Yes, yes. So I'm sure you'll like this. Of course, I have to give my uh, classic disclaimer, which is that I'm not an attorney. And if you're a business listening to this, please talk to your attorney before doing any sort of securities any raising any money from investors. Um, but we do like to provide basic education about this to get people thinking about what their options are, because A lot of business owners that I know just don't even know that it's an option to raise money from their crowd, um, which, you know, it gets frustrating for us because they can have this beautiful business idea that will benefit so many people they know. And they have they already have a crowd behind them. Um, And, you know, there might be a strategy beyond regulation crowdfunding that that works better for them. So one tool that um, was developed a few months ago that I like to point people to also on our website, um, it's called the Community Capital Toolbox. It's basically, I like to call it like a menu. It's a toolbox or a menu of of the different ways that either community builders or businesses um, can start community capital projects in their region. So because you have a lot of businesses that you're working with and in your audience, I'll I'll start with that. But if you look at the business section of the toolbox, we basically just break down what the options are. First, like even what a security is, and then what the options are for raising money from a group of people, a larger group of people, not accredited investors. Um, And then we have some uh, links to help move you on to the next step, like a technical assistance directory. Um, So, you know, we break it out starting up rewards crowdfunding if you want to start slow and you don't want to actually issue a security, moving on to investment crowdfunding. And then we do kind of a general education breakdown of all the different versions of direct public offerings that might be a possibility for your business. And then the last portion of that that um, is a little different but ultimately still achieves the same impact is we talk about um, possibly applying for a loan, or other investment from a community investment fund. So those are funds that um, source their capital from the community from non-accredited investors. So it's a slightly less direct connection to a crowd or to raising money from a lot of people at once, Um, but it still achieves the same thing. It's keeping money circulating locally. That's terrific.
2: What do you see as our biggest challenge um, right now growing this ecosystem? I I know that uh, probably like us, you've seen some advancements development. There is a lot of interest in doing the kinds of things that you're talking about. And I'm just wondering what you see right now, where we are in 2022, um, what are our biggest challenges and what do you think we need to get to, to help,
0: you know, really move the needle on this? Sure. Um I'll, I'll take two different angles for this because I it's really hard to pick the biggest challenge. There's a lot. Um, but the first angle is kind of on the, the movement building end. Um, you know, something that I would love as NC3 grows and as the movement grows is to really have a campaign for local investment that everyone knows about. So, you know, I've had conversations with folks in the field or they say buy local. Like, almost anyone has heard of a buy local campaign that's been really successful. Um, And I, you know, as just a consumer, know every time I choose to shop locally, I have a sense of what impact that's making rather than going to a big box store or buying something on Amazon. Um, And I think that that is a level of consciousness that a lot of people, particularly young people, have when it comes to consuming. Uh, But we do not have that level of consciousness around investing. There's definitely interest, you know, which we can see with the rise of ESG. Um, but of course, NC3 would say, uh, you know, a better kind of uh, an option that's better aligned with with a lot of values, especially if you're looking to support, you know, a local thriving economic um, economic life in your in your region, would be to invest in private markets and invest locally. So I think we really need that invest local movement um, that becomes sort of a catchphrase that's easily understood. So that's, that's one thing, um, kind of a, a marketing or communications angle. And then there is the legislative or regulatory side of things. Um, NC3 is just dipping our toes into the advocacy world, but there's a lot that could be done there to make local and community investing much more common. Um, you know, one of the biggest ones is the accredited investor definition We have sent in proposals that um, suggest the accredited investor definition should not be based on what your income is um, per year or what your your net worth is. It should be um, tied to the raise itself and restricting people, um, making everyone accredited up to 10 percent of their net worth. So like we like to say that's you know prudent investing rules. You shouldn't be putting more than 10% of your net worth into a single investment anyways. Why not just make everyone accredited? It would open up so many options for both businesses and um, regular investors to like you know really explode the 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 private investment markets and, and really shift power around those. So um they're two very different angles and I think uh, they would both support each other. That's awesome. I'm glad you,
1: I'm really impressed with how much you are all doing. (laughs) Um, So I will, you know, we're just really lucky to have someone like you being a leader in this movement. And I would just love to hear if you have any last words of wisdom for either entrepreneurs that want to raise community capital capital or just anyone who wants to invest in their community, like what are some concrete steps that you would advise people to take?
0: Sure. So for investors, we help manage a resource that I think is really awesome. Um, If you're just interested in this and you want to learn more, um, you first have to educate yourself because, you know, we don't, often don't have a system where you can just throw money into an IRA the way you can in the public markets and just let it sit there and grow. You have to be a more active and and more knowledgeable investor. So um, the resource that we help manage is called the local investing resource center. Uh, It's at localinvesting.org. And that's an awesome place to start. You can check out what, what it even means to be an investor. Um, You can get the basics of due diligence um, of, local investing clubs, you can look for community investment funds near you if that's the route you want to take. So that's just an awesome place to get started and to to figure out what the first steps are that make sense for you. And for businesses, I would say check out the community capital toolbox. As I mentioned, um, that has a good summary of all the different options at your disposal for raising money. And then there are a bunch of incredible technical assistance providers, um, both Jenny and Michelle, you were included in this, in our community. And those folks are on our website, um, on our technical assistance directory. Um, they've been vetted because they understand the community capital principles and, and they're going to bring those into their work with your business. Um, so if you're ready to take the next step and you think you want to talk to an attorney or another expert in the field, that's a great place to go to get a connection.
2: This has been really helpful. Thank you so much, Mika, for all this really great information and for all the work you do. We really appreciate you.
0: Sure. And, and you too, you're both leaders in the field and I'm very happy to be you know doing this work with you. Do you have any questions for our securities lawyers and capital raising experts? Call the podcast hotline and leave us a message at 866 552 7726 Extension 5. You can also send other inquiries to podcast at jennykasson.com. We'd love to hear from you. Music for the Capital Insight podcast is still searching by Damon Criswell via Audio Hero. Thank you for listening to Capital Insight with Jenny Casson and Michelle Timish. Until next time.